This podcast is brought to you by Arc Facilities, providing instant mobile access to facility information for on-the-go teams. To learn more about our smart building technology, visit arcfacilities.com. And now, welcome to the Facility Voices podcast with your host, David Trask. Hi, I'm David Trask from Arc Facilities, and this is Facility Voices, the podcast that brings you real-world FM experiences from the front lines in the field. I'd like to welcome my guest today. It's Dan Clapper, Market Director for Interplay Learning. Dan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So tell me about you and your background. Sure. I grew up in the trades. My dad had his own HVAC company when he was a kid, or when I was a kid, so crawling around basements and attics, working on equipment. I hated it at the time, but he taught me work ethics, so that's a great thing. But from there, throughout my career, I worked in wholesale for a while and then went to work at the manufacturing side. So a lot of the major manufacturers out there in regional and then national roles. So I've met tons of mechanical contractors, facility directors, the whole deal. And growing up in the industry or growing up in trades, I'm sure you, you've heard a lot and learned a lot. So you weren't just walking in uh, blind. Yeah. Yeah. I could speak the language a little better. I know how much of a pain in the butt it is if you're missing the one piece to finish the job, you know? <laughs> so. yeah, that's true. Hey, that's so true. So tell us about Interplay Learning. Sure. So Interplay Learning, we're, we're an online, on-demand, really fully immersive learning experience for technicians. So, I mean, picture the big thing that we do is simulations. So imagine being in like a simulated mechanical room where you can practice without electrocuting yourself. So, so getting those reps in and that practice in before you actually go and work on the real equipment. So that's what we gotcha. do. Gotcha. I, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, especially when so many orgs are struggling, even trying to find people. And you know, it kind of leads me to my next question here is with training, what role does that play in workforce development in the, in the current market right now? Yeah. There's some crazy statistics we hear, right? So for every seven people retiring our, our trades industry, only two are coming in. Wow. So by two coming in, that, that's coming through the traditional path of, of trade school or technical colleges. So really what's happening is we have to find other ways to develop people, this workforce development thing. Another big statistic here is there's 50 million people that are making $15 or less right now. So when I hear like there's a shortage of labor, not really. There's a ton of people that could look for better careers. They just don't have a pathway right now. They don't even know that there is a way for them to develop their skills. Maybe they couldn't make it in college. Maybe they immigrated to the country. You know, there's a lot of people that could potentially be great employees in the trades, right? So, I think a lot of the stigma around skilled trades is that's been out there for a long time is trades are not a, a career path. It's a job, not a career. And I struggle with that. And I think a lot of folks, to your point, there are so many openings right now that even a lot of organizations are looking at doing internal hiring practices, meaning, hey, you know, Bob on my team, do you know somebody? 
and pulling them in, even though they have no skills whatsoever and training them up in house through some kind of an apprentice program or, or whatever they want to call it. But, but again, everybody's struggling. And I wrote down that stat. You just said that for every seven who are retiring, there's only two coming in. That's a problem. I worry about that. Totally. What are some of the challenges that you see in terms of uh, trades and training and workforce development? Yeah, I think just to that point, we employers, we hear every day, we talk to large facility companies down to just small shops. They said the new talent coming in is less and less skilled. What we see is, to your point, they're just hiring on good attitude and good work ethic. And we'll train you, right? One of the challenges there, though, is the way that we've always done training. uh, You've heard it. It's on the job, right? On the job training. So you're taking time from your senior tech who maybe has never even been a teacher before. He's just a good technician, doesn't know the right way to transfer knowledge to these new techs. Sometimes those new techs get frustrated because they're not in a real teaching environment. So we really try to look at how do we build a a scalable program that actually takes people correctly through that learning journey? I think where a lot of orgs struggle is what you just said. It's the older technician who's been in the the trenches for years and years. And I think even a lot of them look at it from the standpoint of, you know, is this guy here to take my job? They struggle with that. But but like you said, they're not teachers. They're tradespeople. You know, they're out there and they're doing the job. And and I think there can be some frustration there. I come from the the background of teach the teacher or train the trainer, so to speak, where everybody should be working together and everybody should be able to pitch in and help out. And and I think a lot of orgs struggle with that because they've got everybody so siloed for, for so many years. It can be a challenge, but how are technologies evolving to address this stuff? Yeah, I think one thing where I see technologies continuing to get better and better is actually on the assessment side. If I go to a leader of an organization that has a bunch of technicians, I say, do you really know the individual skill levels of each technician? So in order for training to happen, I think one of the really key pieces is that you're training people on knowledge they actually want or need to learn in in their development. A lot of times, again, when I was working for the manufacturers, I'd go into these groups and train all the techs on the same topic. Some of them already knew it. They're in the back of the classroom with their arms closed. Some of them, sometimes the content was too advanced. They didn't understand the foundational knowledge. I think what technology is allowing us to do is really start identifying right where technicians need to learn. So we can, right where they are in their career, we can help them at that spot. You brought up something else there too. It's the, you don't know what you don't know. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, when you walk into a training program with someone and you expect, or you're assuming, I, I guess is the better word, that they know what you're, the experienced guys know X, but then you realize, wait a minute, they've never even seen this, or they don't even know what you're talking about. I think it's kind of that, again, it's that self-reflection time. It's I was thinking I'm getting all my my advice from the guy who's been with me for 30 years, but I realized he didn't even know that either. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So how does this, how does training and how do training programs help with recruiting new people? You know, we were talking or touching on this a little bit, 
earlier with regards to some orgs are, are hiring people that don't have the quote unquote required skills or required training to do a position and they're working on training and how. So how does this training and how do training programs help improve that? Yeah, I mean, this gets back to the 50 million people that are making $15 an hour or less. A lot of times they're not applying to jobs because they feel like they don't have the skill set. So what we're starting to see a more of a trend in the industry is we're seeing job postings that actually say, we'll train you in-house. You have a good attitude. You're willing to learn. We'll put you through a maybe a, an apprentice program or a formalized program. We'll get you up to speed. And job postings like that, you're getting much more people applying than saying, I need this five-year experience tech. It's harder and harder to fill that type of role. So that's really how in-house programs are actually allowing you to have a much wider pool to recruit from. It kind of takes me back. I had a conversation the other day with a guy and he said, you know, we're posting jobs on on all these different job boards and we're posting on all these different websites and and they're even going back old school with newspapers and posting on the online newspapers. But he said he took a hard look in the mirror and looked at what they were actually posting and what those requirements were. And he said it was eye-opening because a lot of the postings that they were doing, live and learn, of course, but he said a lot of the postings, when he went back and reread them, they just didn't make sense. You know, it was putting in requirements like you had to have a bachelor's degree to be an apprentice. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but the problem is HR doesn't know the difference in some of those cases. So they're copy paste in some of these. And I'm not, I, that's not a knock on HR. It's just there's not a, a communication that these things need to change. Sure. You know, in conversations with facility managers, sometimes we hear some of the best success stories are, you know, maybe they were a mailman or almost outside of the industry, but they had such a good attitude and they came in and they wanted to learn and They had passion. And I think just opening up that potential pool will do a a lot of things for your. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Yeah. I I can imagine. And how does training also help with retaining some of those employees that you've had for even 10 years, 15 years that I'm sure they've got people knocking on their door about possibly going elsewhere? Yeah, there's a couple of things I want to talk about retaining, because first of all, I don't think anyone truly figures out the cost if someone leaves, right? I mean, from the accrued vacation time to the knowledge that they had about all the business that you have to re- retrain them on or of all the facilities, the change in customer experience, maybe the tenants or the people in the building are, are getting less of an experience for that time frame. You start adding all of these things up, you're at like 30, 40, 50 grand cost, true cost when someone leaves your company, right? So one thing that's really cool about training and retention is a lot of these companies, there might be fit our organizations, there might be 50, 60 techs, like to get that next step in that career ladder, someone's got to retire, right? So it's like, there's not really a career ladder in a lot of these organizations. So the term I like to use is career lattice. How do I start developing skills just a little bit broader and maybe some different, a little bit more on the electrical side or plumbing side. How do I continue to broaden my workforce skill set? So when, if and when somebody leaves, at least I have that coverage. 
And what it does is the employees actually start to build better self-confidence because they're always continuing to learn. And that self-confidence, it builds better morale in the company. There's, there's just a lot of awesome things that training can bring. It's cross-training. You're hitting it on. I love the not ladder, but the lattice approach. I like that because I said this to a guy the other day. I said, I've got a lot of guys know a lot of things. You know, that's a benefit. That way other folks can jump in when you do need help. Let's lean into the, the career lattice a little bit more and, and talk about how that can help orgs, not just retain the people, but but to really sing the praises and, and show the love to some of those employees, because I, I keep hearing that I've never had to show, you know, as much love to the people that showed up as I have today. Yeah. Well, one piece, which is really interesting, we always hear about exit interviews, right? Like, oh, this employee, he left the company. Let's figure out why. A lot of times it's because you know, I didn't feel like I was growing or, you know, there, there is opportunity somewhere else. So one thing I love to talk about is conduct a stay interview. Employees that are there now, just ask them, what skills would you like to develop? Sometimes you'd be surprised what they say. I don't think many organizations actually take the time to talk to their employees. Maybe they are in like an HVAC role, but they want to get more into electrical. But you never know because you never asked. So that's what this career latticing is. And a lot of times, sometimes what happens, your techs don't want to admit the areas that they're not good at either. So sometimes it's just like giving them training options that they can take and they'll start progressing themselves knowing that they can just log in and have better opportunity there. And I think what you're also talking about here from what I'm what I'm hearing is it's making them more valuable. The more things that they know, the more value they bring to the organization too. Sure. Sure. It's that feeling that they're giving value, but it's also a win for the company too, or the organization, right? I mean, it's just like I was talking about this self-confidence is what we just keep seeing again and again. Once people start getting on this continuous training track of training that actually matters, I want to talk about this too. Like sometimes training gets a bad rep because it's just mandated on them. I mean, I've taken the courses, you have to take mandatory HR courses and everything else. But when you get training that actually matters to them, like what you're saying, training that they actually want to learn, it's a whole different experience. Oh, well, agreed. And I wonder how, how many orgs are doing this type of a thing. You know, I think all orgs are down headcounts right now. So what are mm-hmm. you seeing as far as how organizations are embracing these types of methods or these type of training programs? It's open arms, right? I think fundamentally, it's a little bit of change management. So there has to be buy-in across the organization, right? Sometimes what we've seen is leadership say, okay, we got to train our people more. Here's training. Have at it. You have to have some structure to your program. You have to have some systems, rewards, incentives. You can't just drop this in and say, okay, everyone train now. (laughs) So I think the orgs that take the time to build out the structure are seeing a great success. And there's orgs that are trying to just still take it as one-off events and it's, they're just not growing the way that they could. Well, I bet you the latter that you just mentioned, the latter of those orgs are the ones that are struggling. Yeah, exactly. So talk a little bit about some of the new types of 
training methods that are out there and what's involved in some of these training methods? Sure. One thing, you know, let's go back to this senior tech conversation, right? One thing that we're finding with these newer techs that are coming to the field that maybe have less knowledge is they kind of want to know the why or, or the foundational knowledge. A lot of times you can't really do that that effectively on the job site, especially if that senior tech isn't like a professor or a technical trainer, right? The first thing is just to build that foundational knowledge. So I think a lot of that can be done with digital content, online content, like let's build that foundational knowledge. So when they are with that senior tech, they're already 70, 80% of the way there. So this senior tech can just take them through those processes now that they understand the refrigeration cycle or whatever they're working on. I could definitely see that. They're not going in blind. The second thing, and this is something we're doing awesome at with Interplay Learning, is just these simulated environments. Once you have that foundational knowledge, and I let you practice 5, 10, 15 times of going through that procedural process. So, okay, I know that I need this tool at this point. I know that I take my multimeter and I put it in these spots. I know that I need to get these readings. Whatever the procedural process is of that technician, if they can practice again 5, 10, 15 times, it's almost as if they're going into that on-the-job training almost ready to go. It's a process we haven't invented. Simulations have been around for a while. I mean, if you think about military or they do it in, in medical field too, like you have to get into a flight simulator and you have to fly a thousand times before you actually get into that airplane. So it's that same concept. How can we just build that muscle memory for these technicians so when they're out there actually performing, they're not hurting themselves, they're getting it right? It's repeat, repeat, repeat. Like you said, it's that muscle memory. And But I like what you said. It also involves safety. So yeah. in facility, safety is a, a big deal. Everybody, I, I just finished OSHA training. It's so in-depth and I learned so much, but... How does training contribute to that safer work environment that every org is struggling with right now? Yeah. So when, when you think about simulating the actual job site, if you just build these safety steps into this procedural process, we might teach you how to change a compressor or something. But through that process, you're learning safety along the way. It's just part of the process. So it's it's building it in instead of just having safety like this separate bucket of training. The the other fun thing that we we've been working on with simulations is almost like search and find. Imagine being in this simulated environment and you have to actually point out, oh, that ladder is not at the right angle, or that lift doesn't have the right harnesses on it. There's some really fun creative ways that we can make training more fun than just watching a a boring video or something, right? So. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about the safety aspect, too, because, you know, you don't want anybody getting getting hurt, let alone a, a new person who's joined the team. Let's talk a little bit about what are some of the the short and long term benefits of a robust training program? Sure. So for the organization, I've seen organizations that really have this in-house training program dialed in perfectly. They're seeing retention rates two or three times better, two or three times better, which is a lot. 
and their competitors, they're actually, these companies with these in-house programs, they're actually getting too many job applications because friends start to tell friends, hey, you can go here and you can start building a career, right? Even if you don't have a full skill set, they're going to help you along the way. So we're starting to see, instead of having like that shortage of talent come in, you actually start getting a surplus because you're recognized as an employer that can help people grow. Well, it, it sounds like a support system too. Like you said, it's all along that career path is continued education and always having the employee in mind with advancement. I mean, these are really key things with anybody looking for a job right now. Sure. I totally agree. So where do you see the future of skilled trades and training and where is it headed? Yeah, I think, oh, that's a good question. I think there's going to just continue to be more technology, especially as you see equipment get smarter and smarter. And there's almost no way that you could, as a technician, know how to work on any type of equipment. Just manufacturers are coming out with new equipment every year, where 10 years ago or 20 years ago, it was every 10 years, you could keep up. But now you can't even keep up. I think there's going to be a lot of on-demand type training in your pocket, ready to go, because you, you have to, I mean, you have to have that foundational knowledge, but the brand specific training is always, always going to be needed. I think of, we created some, we call them our knowledge based videos. And it was, it was important for us to do that for, for our business, because people aren't doing one specific thing every day. So they forget little things. So having the ability to go in and and say, oh, I can't remember how to do this. So now I'm going to go here and here's a a resource for me to remember that or or retrain me, even if it's for five minutes. Oh, that's how I do it. Now I remember. But I think a lot of orgs struggle with even that because some of the tasks and facilities, as you know, they're done once a year. If the expectation is that somebody's just going to remember that, that's setting yourself up for failure. It's so true. I think another trend we're seeing pretty strongly here is, I mean, very similar to what you say, it's it's almost micro learning. We're figuring out how to take these smaller chunks of learning. And let's say you're a technician and you have your dispatch report, like right link to, okay, I'm going to go change a toilet. Here's a 30 second video or five minute video on how to change a toilet. So linking the training right to the dispatch, I think is where we're really heading. Because you don't know, maybe the senior tech that really did know how to do it, he called out that day. So now I have to put that on the newer tech and they need that training. So just again, that that on-demand, that micro learning, I think is really probably we're going to see a lot more of that in the next couple of years. I couldn't agree more. I think the successful orgs that are that are embracing that are going to be the ones that are are that true success. You brought something up there that I loved. It's you're going to go do a task whatever that task is, and you automatically could potentially have a little video clip or a, whatever that is to remind them how to do X, even if they don't access it because they do remember it's available. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, next man or woman up because that legacy gentleman or that person who's been on the team for 30 years, whoever that is, calls out that day or even worse, they retired last week. Exactly. And I mean, it gets to some of the work you do to have that foundational knowledge of your building and videos that tie right to like the procedures in those buildings for each of your equipment. 
what it does actually is you start increasing job time efficiency. That's one of the probably, I, I should have mentioned this before when you asked, what do organizations start to see? Is now a task that might have taken someone two or three hours. Now they're getting it done two or an hour and a half because they're learning the better way. They might have been doing this for 30 years, but they never actually figured out the more efficient way to do it, right? And like you said, they get that time back. So what can you do with that time? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of orgs, especially when you've got large amounts of buildings or large footprints in a city, I'm thinking like a school district or even a university that's of any kind of size or even a municipality or whatever your org is, you've got a global footprint. It's impossible for everybody to remember how to fix everything or know where everything is. And and I love that tie back to being able to provide that information on demand. That's a big deal. Yeah. And something, I mean, we got to mention it, something that AI is going to help with too is AI is good at building these databases. So we as a company, we're leveraging that. So we have this massive database of knowledge to now pull out these micro learnings where we need them, right? So that's the advantage of AI. You can access a whole ton of data and get specifically what you want. So let's leave the, the audience with a few key things to kind of keep in mind. Give them, give them some takeaways, what they should consider when it comes to training. First of all, I always start with the assessment. How could you, I mean, even informally, just start asking some of your team, is there any skills you want to learn or are there, do you want to learn a little bit more about this, a little bit more of that? And you'll start to see that there's actually a bigger demand for training than you even know. Most people actually want to learn. They actually want to grow, but they just have this bad taste of training in their mouth. So once you have this identification of, okay, my team actually needs this type of skill development, let's start looking at it more holistically of how do we build a system that lets them learn where, where they need to learn. Yeah, I agree. I think that self-reflection and, and that move forward plan is starts with understanding what your team and, and you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I like that. That's a great approach. And I appreciate you sharing this today. And thank you for joining us. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of Facility Voices. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Facility Voices, a podcast that explores the big issues and challenges facing the facility management industry today. We welcome your feedback, ideas, and suggestions for topics and guests. Send an email to communications at arcfacilities.com or reach out to our host, David Trask, on LinkedIn. Facility Voices is brought to you by Arc Facilities.